Talking about promises, promises that can be life-changing, promises that um, God speaks, but once you really claim them, once you take hold of them, they really, they really can mean the difference in every part of your life. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Those of you joining us online, also everyone here in the room. Uh, today, I wanted, to, I wanted to show you this. This is my work bag, not my man purse, Okay. <laughs> It's a work bag, and uh, I've had it for uh, probably 10 years, and as you can see, I mean, it's, it looks like it's 10 years old. It's, uh, it's kind of worn. Uh, it's lost a lot of its shape. Most of the zippers no longer work, and so there's stuff piling out of it everywhere. Uh, but this is, it, it, it's a bag I like, and so I still use it, and uh, the way I use it is every day, um, it sits in a place in our dining room, and I grab it in the morning, I carry it down our, our house as a tuck under garage, so I walk down to the garage, uh, get in the car, you know, put the bag in the car, uh, drive to work, get it out of the backseat of the car, walk it up the three flights of stairs to our offices, or if I'm tired, I take the elevator. Um, and, uh, and then I set this down right next to my desk within an arm's reach away and uh, get stuff out of it as, the, as I need to over the course of the day. And then when the day's over, I do the whole thing in reverse, carry it down, put it in the car, carry it back into the house, put it into its enshrined place in the dining room. My wife knows exactly where that place is. That's where it goes. And, uh, and I, I do this back and forth every day. Uh, I never go from home to work or work to home uh, without it. And uh, it's, it's kind of my you know, messenger system. So if I have something at work that I need to take home, I just put it in my bag and I, I know it'll get there. Vice versa, if I have something at home I need to take back to work, I, I make sure I put it in here and it, it'll get there. And here's what I've discovered. that This thing is starting to get heavy. You see, because I, I put things in that I mean to take out when I get home, and sometimes I forget to take them out. And so over the course of 10 years, you start to build up a lot of stuff. Uh, l- let me just show you what I mean. Uh, in the front here, I've got a, I've got a Bible, um, which is a good thing for a pastor to have, I guess. Uh, I've got a pamphlet that I wrote that I just have in here. It's called Live the Six. Maybe you've heard of that, but... Um, I don't know if anyone wants it. Uh, I've got one of probably three journals. No joke, I've got three journals in this bag right now. Um, there's, there's one of them. Uh, and, you know, just for good measure, I've got a jury duty summons from last year. I just keep for fond memories, I guess. Um, but that's still in there. Uh, over here on the other side, I've got pockets everywhere in here. I've got my keys strapped to it here. But, you know, I've got functional things like my glasses. And I've got some, uh, you know, Advil, because who doesn't need that? And um, I've, I've actually... I got some pens and, oh, this is weird. This is from a, a new jacket that I wore on Christmas Eve. I, I ripped off the uh, little thing that has buttons inside of it. And so I, sh- I shoved that in there. Who knows how long that will be in there now. Um, I see some business cards, some, some earplugs in here, um, all kinds of stuff in the back. I've got magazines, again, more journals. So, so you're starting to see the picture that this thing, this thing has been filled with junk over the last 10 years. And, you know, it's, it doesn't seem worth my time or effort to empty it out or sort it through, or I feel like I might need some of that stuff later. And, and, and so here's what I realized that that because I don't want to do the work of you know, cleaning this thing out, that day after day, I carry this thing around, upstairs, downstairs, in the car, out of the car, and you start to do the math. You start to think, okay, all of those years, all of those stairs, all of that carrying it around, this thing's pretty heavy, that's a lot of weight. And, and I just want to say this morning, isn't this life for so many of us? We go through life and we, we accumulate 
not, not physical things, but we accumulate um, all kinds of, of, of stuff, of baggage that we then carry around with us all the time. And uh, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, we, we just kind of carry it. And it gets to the point where you don't even fully realize the load that you're carrying. You, you don't realize how heavy it's gotten. You just kind of carry it. And yet your body might get a little worn down under the, under the weight. And, and maybe your spirit gets heavy. And you don't, you don't realize exactly what it is. But isn't this true of us that, that we carry around weight, especially, especially of our pasts. And I'll tell you that I think the heaviness of carrying this stuff around over and over again, that's not the, the only problem with this, uh, with this whole thing. Yeah, it's true that this gets heavy, but you know what I think is even worse? It's that over time we start to identify, we start to identify with not, not who we are within, we start to identify by what we carry. Do you know what I mean? We start to become the bags that we carry around with us. We start to, to become the things, the, the burdens that we shoulder. Uh, I, I can set this down in a conference room and um, people will walk in and they'll say, oh, I guess Dion's here. Even if I'm not in the room and I know I'm not here, my bag is here, but they just kind of know me by this now. Or um, it's got these uh, weird little brass clips on it, and I don't, I don't snap them. So when I walk, I don't know if you can hear that, they ding. Like it's, it's like I'm the cat that they put a bell on so they know he's coming. Um, and, uh, and so I, I walk through the hall, and it, it dings. And Lisa Schmidt, who's actually in that video, um, she almost every day will hear me walking out, and she'll go, bye, Dion. And she doesn't even see me. Uh, she hears me, and she doesn't even hear me. She hears, she hears the thing that I carry And how often does that become our life? We become the things that we carry. And so we say, I am an alcoholic. It's not what I carry, it's it it becomes who we are. Or I am an abuse survivor, or I am a felon, or uh, you know, I am divorced, or I am whatever, and and pretty soon it's not just it's not just what's in our past, it's not just some of the baggage that we carry along. It it begins to define who we are. And and there's a weight here, there's a load here that we carry around, but worse, we start to identify with it. It becomes us in other people's sight and even in our own sight, even the smallest things can define you sometimes, can't they? Uh, my wife Jocelyn, uh, she was talking about a, a time all the way back in high school where she and her family were away on vacation. And, um, and thanks for letting me share this, Joss, by the way. I did ask permission. Um, where she and her family were away on vacation. And, you know, high school students don't always use the best judgment. And being, being uh, you know, cool and being, you know, popular was really important to her. And so she let a friend get access to their house to throw a party while the whole family was away on vacation. And when they came home from vacation, they not only discovered the party because it turns out high school girls don't know how to clean a house very well, especially after a party. They discovered traces of the party, but worse, they discovered that some of the party goers had helped themselves to her mother's jewelry. And uh, we're talking about stuff that was like her grandmother's, that family, you know, significant stuff. Worth money, yes, but worth way more in terms of sentiment. And Jocelyn says that 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 still still haunts her. 
something she still carries around. What is it in your past? What is the burden that you carry? The thing that you, you've done, maybe the thing that's been done to you? What struggle, what loss, what tragedy? What not only speaks into who you are, because our, our past have a way of speaking into us, they, they help shape us, and, and maybe that's okay, but what part of your past totally owns you? What part of your past defines you? See, today we're going to talk about just a really, really important promise of Scripture, and the promise is you are not your past. You are not the things that have happened to you. They may inform who you are, but they are not you. And you're certainly not the mistakes that you've made, the sins that you've committed, the blunders that, that you've, you've, uh, you've made over the course of your life. You are not your past. And as I began building this series, I went around and I just asked people, I said, so what's a promise of God in the scriptures or something you've heard some other way? If you don't know the Bible verse, that's okay. What's a promise of God that is, that is so powerful and meaningful and transformative for you? And this one kept coming up again and again and again. Because I think we all know that it's incredibly difficult to let go of your past. Even more though, I think it's incredibly difficult to get your past to let go of you, isn't it? And to not only drop the weight of the things that we carry, the things that we've done, but it's also difficult to begin to separate ourselves, our very identity, from the things that we have done in our past. And so this promise today is, uh, man, I love this promise. It comes from Psalm 103. Uh, You can look on your Bible at page 598. We're going to look through these words of, of David. And it really is a psalm of praise. So if you're, uh, if you're tired of the cold winter, at least here in St. Louis, um, maybe, this, maybe this psalm will, will begin to, to light a fire in you. It's, it's a beautiful psalm. David says, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I love this line because for me, uh, I praise the Lord. I was kind of raised to praise the Lord because it's the right thing to do because he's God and he deserves it. He's worthy of it, not for any other reason. It's just what you do if, if you've got your head on straight. That was kind of how I was raised, very dutiful, very uh, obligatory. But I love how David turns this on his, on his head. It's praise the Lord, my soul. Okay, praise God because he's worthy of it. But not only that, praise him because there are benefits. And see, I, I hope you know this, that the reason we come to church, the reason we are called into a relationship with God is not only because it's morally right, It's because there are benefits to a relationship with God. God wants to give us things. He wants to change us in good ways. He wants to fill our lives with with just abundance that we can't even begin to understand. And it looks different than maybe what the world talks about as abundance, but it is abundance, true abundance. And and so I love that David gives us permission to do this, to, to, to remember the benefits of being in a relationship with God and because of those to praise God all the more. And he begins to list them. So he says, here are the benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. We're going to talk about this next week. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So so David's going through this list of all of the benefits. and, and And then he turns a corner for a minute because he begins to remember this really powerful moment in Hebrew history. 
It was a moment when Moses, a guy who lived a couple hundred years before him, Moses, part of the Red Sea, plagues in Egypt, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, Moses was, was being invited by God to have a face-to-face encounter. God says, Moses, I'm going to show you my, my glory. I'm going to pass by you. You're going to see me. And, uh, and so God puts Moses in this, in this, like, tucked into this rock on a cliff. And, and God is ready to pass by, and Moses is kind of peeking. He's terrified to see the glory of God. And, and he's, he's trying to peek and just kind of see the glory of God. And as God begins to pass by, David remembers this. This was so profound for, for all Hebrew people, including David. Uh, David remembers this, that as Moses began to pass by, I'm sorry, as God began to pass by Moses, um, this, is, this is what he said. It says, God spoke these words as he was passing by Moses. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So God's walking by Moses. And Moses is is just kind of peeking, you know, like between his fingers and just trying to catch a glimpse of God's glory, but is terrified by it. But what he hears, what, what he remembers is especially what he hears. The Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And that becomes God's legacy for the Hebrew people forever. And, and David remembers that, that this is who God is. And it, and it just, it sparks something in him. And, and he's on a roll now. And so he says, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do you hear the promises? I also want to ask you, is this the God that you know? Or is the God you know, does he, does he look different? Is the God you know an accuser who is always reminding you of the things that you've done? Is he angry perpetually? Is he disappointed, critical? We talked about this in week one. Uh, Does he treat you? Do you believe he treats you exactly as your sins deserve? Doug Moss talked about that last week. See, David says, no, you're missing the point. That's not who God is. David says, this is who God is. You want a picture of who God is? You want a reason to worship him? This is who he is. As far as the heavens, the highest reaches of the universe are from the crust of the earth. I mean, think about just just the distance between the, the face of the earth and the highest reaches of the universe. That space, that distance, David says, that's how great God's love is. For anyone who trusts him, anyone who fears him, can't even measure it, can you? And David says, not only that, but as far as the east is from the west, and and these points never touch, they go on forever in opposite directions, right? David says, "In in that distance, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. So I want to ask you today, is that the God you know? especially as it relates to your past, especially as it relates to the sins that you've committed. A God who's, who's, whose love is so great that, that it fills the space between the surface of the earth and the farthest expanse of the universe. A God who's, whose mercy is so great that he takes your sins, your transgressions, as far as the east is from the west. Or do you believe that God is a God who wants you to sweat a little 
under the weight of your sins, to grovel and to beg and to atone. Or maybe you sit here today and you think, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe maybe this is true for some people. Maybe God loves some people like that. Or maybe God can remove the sins of some people like that, but not me. Because what I've done is too bad or I'm just too unlovable. See, if that's the case, then what are you ever going to do with your past? What are you ever going to do with, with the stuff that you carry? And I think a lot of us, we, we try to do a lot of different things. Uh, for some of us, we get tired of carrying it, and so we try to run away from it. And you've been living this. Some of you have been living this. You've been trying to run away from something that you did, something that happened to you, and you know what? You can run for a long time. There are lots of places to run. There are, there are always new people and new relationships so that if someone gets too close, you, you can just kind of make a break and move on. There's plenty of land in this country. You can just keep moving away from it. Is, is that what you do? Is that how you handle your past? Have you been in an endless game of chase, of, of tag, where you just keep running away, or, or do you rationalize it? Are you working really hard just to explain it all away, to, to try to make it sound not so bad, to try to take away the pain of that thing by, by, by rationalizing it? Do you deny it? Is that how you deal with the weight of your past? I think a lot of us do. We, we just try to ignore it like it's not there. And it's amazing what a fresh coat of paint will do, isn't it? It almost makes things look fine. And is that how you've been dealing with your past, you just, you're carrying it around, the weight is real, and you're just pretending that it's, it's not really there. Or maybe you try to atone for it. And I, I think some of the, the you know, the, the best people in the world, so-called best people in the world, are people who are trying to do this. They're trying to deal with a past by overwhelming whatever they did. Whatever sinful mistakes are in their past, they're, they're trying to overwhelm them with goodness. It's because they carry a pretty heavy weight. They think, okay, maybe I can tip the scales in the other direction and I can just be better than the things that uh, exist in my past. And, and so uh, they, they, they try to work their way out of it. Or do you own it? Do you own your past? Now, now this sounds like a mature and responsible thing for us to do, right? Just, just to own it. But even there, that, that can be fraught with, with, uh, with challenges. I don't know about you, but I grew up um, in a liturgical Lutheran church, repeating a liturgy every weekend. And as a part of that liturgy, we had a confession at the beginning of every service. And this is how that confession began. It said, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities. And week after week, I would say this from the time I was a kid. And, and, and I didn't have an issue with this part about confess my sins and iniquities, even though I didn't really understand what iniquities meant. Um, I had no problem saying this because I knew that I sinned in my life and I knew it was good to confess and, and that wasn't a problem. The part that always tripped me up was this first part. I, a poor, miserable sinner. See, is that the, is that the, is that the best we can hope for as we stand in front of God? That eventually the trash, the garbage, the weights that we carry that they define us, they stick to us, we become those things. So we're not just a people who, you know, sin miserably, but we become miserable sinners. 
See, I think a lot of us trying to do the responsible thing, trying to own our past, have done it in completely the wrong way. It's good to own the things that you've done in a way that those things drive you to guilt. Guilt's a healthy emotion. When you feel guilt, you're driven to say you're sorry, to make an amends with people. Guilt can be a very healing emotion. It can drive you to to healing action and to healing and reconciliation in your relationships. It's an okay way to own it, but I'll tell you what so often happens as we own it is that we own the things that we've done in such a way that we let them define us. We own them in such a way that they become who we are, and then guilt gives way to something else called shame. And shame isn't feeling bad about something you've done. It's feeling bad about who you are. Seeing that there's something, something just broken and flawed in you. And no amount of confession, no amount, no amount of confession can ever dig you out of the shame hole. It only takes you further into the pit. And so owning it sounds like a responsible thing for us to do. Even owning it can be tricky. Owning it can, can mean that we identify with our baggage. We carry it around. It becomes us. We become defined by it. That's not what God intends. See, see, what do you do with your past? What's your pet way of doing it? Do you just shoulder it? Do you do one of these things? See, see there's a better way to deal with a past that weighs you down. There's a better way to deal with, with some history that defines you, remember the promise. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great is his love for those who fear him. And as far, as far, so grateful we have such a big platform up here, as far as the east is from the west, as far as the east is from the west, That's how far he's removed our transgressions, our our sins, our sinful pasts from us. You see, there's a better way to deal with your past. And it's to let God do what he promised to do. It's, It's to allow him to fulfill his promise in your life. His promise to love you, but his promise to free you from the weight of the sins that you carry around with you. And not just to free you from the weight or the heaviness, but to, but to free your being from those things so that those things no longer define you anymore. In the last couple of years, um, I've read a lot of good books. One of the most profound books that I've read is a book called Connecting uh, by Larry Crabb. And um, in this book, he tells, in part of the book, he tells a story. And I just, such an impactful story for me. Um, he tells a story about a, uh, a ministry, a, um, uh, it's like a retreat center for troubled youth. And he tells a story of a morning session at this retreat center where all of these troubled youth who have uh, all kinds of issues in their lives, in their past. They're, they're carrying around some serious baggage. Uh, they're all gathered for a morning session. And at the beginning of that session, a young woman stands up in front of everyone. And she stands there and she's trembling. And there are already tears of shame streaked down her face. And she stands up in front of the group. And she says, I have been a prostitute for the last three years. I'm so sorry. And then under the weight of that admission, she just began to to tremble and shake 
and sob. And her father, who was sitting in the room, way back in a distant row, got up and he walked forward and he put his arms around her right there in the front of the room as she was trembling and shaking and crying. And he said, when I look at you, I see no prostitute in you. I see my beloved daughter. See, that's the promise for you. A promise of a God who loves you so much that the things that you've done, the the things that haunt you in your past, he chooses not to see those things anymore. He, He doesn't see them in you. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Have you forgotten who you are? I think so often as we carry around the weight of things in the past, we can, we can forget who we are. But today I want you to remember who you are. And today just for a moment, and and then hopefully for much longer than a moment, I hope you you can again experience the joy that comes from being his. See, in Jesus, because of Jesus, because of what he's done for us on the cross, because of this reality, God's central question for us isn't, are you good? And and, and this is what we think, that God's looking at us and he's constantly asking us, are you good? And, And so we weigh ourselves by our merits, the things that we've done well, the things that we've done poorly. We beat ourselves up over the things that we haven't done well. And 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 we answer this question, no, I'm not good, and we fall into shame and and we run and we hide and we live in condemnation and and our past haunt us and they weigh us down because we're so preoccupied with this question. This is not God's question for you. Not if you're in Jesus. God's central question isn't, are you good? It's, are you mine? Are you mine? And if you can answer that question in the affirmative, then that's all that matters. As you came in today, uh, you got a a rock. Thank you for not throwing it. Um, If you didn't get one in a minute, our volunteers will be in the back and and you can grab one. Here's what I want you to do. This is a, a, like all of the promises in this series, I think it's easy to get your mind around it. It's easy to understand it. Claiming it, claiming it is a little different. And so uh, as you hold that rock in your hand, I want you to think about that thing in your past. Um, especially that thing that you have done. That struggle, that sin, that weakness, that ugly chapter in your life, that ugly moment in your life that still weighs you down, that still haunts you. And that, and that keeps nagging, speaking over your identity, drowning out the voice of God in your life, uh, reminding you of, of what you've done and, and telling you all kinds of things. That, uh, that, aren't, that aren't true of you. I want you to hold this in your hand and I want, you to, I want you to think about that thing. I want you to think about how heavy it is. I want you to grow tired of carrying it. I want you to realize that this, this is not who you are. It doesn't have the power to define you. And uh, we're, we're going to have the musicians come out and we're going to sing a song. Um, and during that song, here's what I'm going to 
invite you to do. No one's going to direct you to do this. You just get to do this. Um, I'm going to invite you to, to come forward somewhere up here. And again, we've got a really long platform. And I might even encourage you to, to um, you know, walk far away from where you are just to get a sense of this promise. And then to walk up front and, uh, and, and lay that thing down. Lay your past down. Lay that sin down. And thank Jesus for going to the cross for you. Thank Jesus for taking that away, for, for removing this from you. Lay it down, offer a prayer of thanks, and then walk away. Walk away. Knowing you don't have to carry the weight of this anymore. Walk away knowing that this doesn't have the power to define you. Simply remember today that you are his And allow yourself to remember how good it feels simply just to belong to him, to be in his embrace. This promise is for you. It's time for you to claim it.